Hi friends, my name is Ryan Cagle and you're listening to the Lessons from Dead Guys podcast, a work of exile liturgy. If you've been following along with us this season, you know that Lent is the overarching theme of season three. And if you've not been following along, well, now you know. It's the Lenten season in the liturgical year, and no Lenten season uh, or themed season podcast would be complete without an episode on repentance. So repentance, it's, it's kind of a loaded word, at least for me. And for many of the people I think I know, many of the people I know um, that are maybe on the margins of faith traditions, um, similar to how I've been the last few years, um, people I know, you know, that are kind of iffy about the word that have been hurt by the church or or, or whatever else, we, people tend to keep that word or theology or idea of repentance as it's kind of it's kind of a bad word, I think, in some parts of our culture. So we keep it at arm's distance, you know, arm's length distance away from us. Um, and when I hear the word repent, my mind is like flooded with all sorts of images, like wild stuff, like a sign outside of a small town in mid Alabama that says, go to church or the devil will get you. You know, I think about um, the people I've seen on the sides of the road holding up signs that say repent, like super ambiguously, like, what do you mean, right? So they hold up these signs saying repent, you know, I think about uh, that street corner preachers that I'm sure most of us have encountered or at least heard of or seen in movies with their microphone standing on the street corner yelling at passerby cars and pedestrians about their inevitable fiery doom if they do not do this ambiguous thing called repentance, and I think about even going to church and leaving, feeling like I just got the crap beat out of me <laughs> after hearing a sermon where I was just beat to death, right? Um, and I think of, and on a more personal note, I think of endless nights feeling guilty for my sin as a teenager, never feeling like I was going to be able to atone for my mistakes and my failings, fasting and praying and trying my best to be like just righteous and do everything right so I could, you know, kind of hope to obtain God's love. You know, I I had these thoughts of like, you know, if I could just pray harder or that, you know, if I could fast more, if I could just show God that I'm truly repenting and I'm truly sorry and um, then I guess I wouldn't feel so worthless. And that's the kind of things I thought. And those are the kind of things that I think about when I think of the word repentance or the how how much time I spent in tears just wanting to not feel guilty anymore. And then later on. Freaking out because I just didn't feel guilty about certain things that I did. And I felt like repentance had to be attached to this super emotional outpouring, like, you know, beating, beating my chest kind of like, I'm a worthless sinner, God forgive me kind of deal. And I just didn't even have those emotions anymore. So it was kind of back and forth. But, you know, I thought that repentance was a way for me to obtain God's love. And if I didn't repent well enough and I didn't repent the way I should have, then I wasn't going to receive God's love. And, you know, so some of these thoughts um, they of mine might resonate with you. Maybe repent is a loaded word for you like it is for me. Maybe it's a, a phrase that's, you know, kind of conjures is or has been used to conjure like fears of hellfire or to belittle you into thinking you're like subpar or I guess in more technical evangelical backwards Christian terms make you think that you're a worthless sinner. And I think that's probably a great deal of what a lot of people have at least experienced and that I've talked to around this idea of repentance, it's, it's you got to feel like you're a worthless sinner. It's we got to repent because we're sinners and God can't even look upon us, you know, without, without Jesus. And Jesus is not going to do anything until we repent and we show that we truly believe and that we're truly sorry. And then maybe, you know, God, God will show us his love. Um, and so like, 
the word repent comes with all these images and, and some are, you know, ridiculous. Like the, there's literally a church sign in mid Alabama outside of a town called Verbena that has a picture of a red guy with a pitchfork that says, go to church or the devil will get you. And I'm just thinking, I don't even have any clue why these people think this is some kind of effective evangelism. I don't think anyone's ever came to their church and said, that sign changed my life. You know, I knew I had to get in church after I seen this sign. Um, so, you know, like, so it comes with all these images and, and even, even more images that I don't have time to exhaust you with here on this podcast. But, um, Thankfully, these images over the last several years have began to be um, deconstructed and to be revealed as misguided portraits of what repentance uh, truly is. And the more I walk these paths of the church, the more I read these church fathers, and of course there are some very, um, there are texts that even in the church fathers about, you know, like, guilty feeling like you're a sinner and stuff like that. But overarching, you know, overall this this theme is that it's kind of misguided, at least in my understandings, and the, the way I've taken in my understanding of repentance um, has been misguided and has been, in, in many sense, perverted. Um, but like I said, these images and these ideas are being deconstructed. My, my baggage with this, that comes with this word is kind of being stripped away. And I'm again finding out, as St. Isaac of Nineveh put it, this life was given to you for repentance. Do not waste it in vain pursuits. Man, I just love that quote. This life, St. Isaac of Nineveh said this. Um, St. Isaac is one of my all-time favorites, by the way. But he says, This life was given to you for repentance. Do not waste it in vain pursuits. So repentance is holy, despite all of our, my baggage with it and what comes with it and people using it as, you know, a way to just like crap on people and make them feel worthless and, and, or whatever. You know, repentance is holy. Repentance has internal implications that I, I know I need to better grasp in my day to day life because, you know, those portrayals of repentance that I mentioned are, you know, are unhealthy and perverse, but that does not mean that repentance is always easy or even comfortable. Comfortable. Repentance is, is grace for us, and it's a way, it's not a way for us to appease God or win His love, but it is something that it en- enables us to see the magnitude of our sin and allow the grace of God to set us back on right paths. So, I think, you know, like we have those two camps. We feel, you know, there's like repentance always gets like understood in the two extremes. Either, well, I guess it's understood in the same same way, just um, one side rejects it, one side accepts it. you got the one side that, you know, repent or you're going to burn in hell, and that's their idea of repentance. And you got these other people who think, well, if that's what repentance is, then it's irrelevant to my life. And so you have like people who have misguided ideas about repentance, and so they beat people to death. And then you have the people that have that same misguided idea about repentance so they just reject it as irrelevant to their life and you know not they don't need to repent right then there's nothing they need to repent of and so it gets used you know kind of both ways but repentance is a gift for this life uh, a gift that helps us become our true selves and i i'm I, I truly believe that a gift that helps us experience the love of god the depths of the love of god and so lent you know like we, like we said this the season's been on lent and lent is an invitation into our humanity like we talked about ash wednesday how it's a time for us to be honest and admit that we're mortal and we'll eventually die like everyone's going to eventually die but uh, you know, it's a season we're given to be honest on on deeper levels in the church year. It's uh, then, sim- but 
you know, like we face that honesty and and face the fact that we're mortal and, and those things. We talked about them in the Ash Wednesday episode, but I think more is that the season is more than just for us to face our mortality. It's like it's it's a it's a chance for us to be uh, honest on much deeper levels than simply coming to terms with a biological fact of life. Lent is a season of repentance. It's a season where we can remove all of our distractions and the opioids of life that you know numb us to everything around us, and and you know we we can feel like for the first time again the weight of our sin. Our brokenness, our humanity, we can feel that weight. The the season of Lent is given to us so we can feel the weight of those things on our shoulders. And then they then it points us to the one who, who bore that weight for us because we, at the end of the day, can never <laughs> carry it on our own. And so repent is there's so there's so much around it. There's so many ideas, I guess, and so many I think misconstrued perceptions and, and uses. But repentance is a gift. It's it's a way for us to look at that sin and look at a step back. It's it's a way to to just strip back the distractions and the the things that have, we've become numb to. We've become comfortable through the year. We become comfortable. And Lent says there's no time for being comfortable. There's nothing to be comfortable with sitting in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. How the disciples slept, I don't know, and I'm sure I would be right there with them, but Jesus was disturbed. He was uncomfortable, and Lent invites us into his that disruption. Lent invites us in. Repentance is a, is a door for us to be disrupted. Not a door for us to be beaten to death with guilt and shame, but a door for us to come into realizing that the world is broken. Our lives are broken. The people we know are broken. The things we do aren't always good and beautiful, and and they're definitely not perfect. And so repentance is a way for us to, to face those things and face those realities. And so uh, the word repent in the scriptures is translated from two words. Um, depending on if it was in the the Hebrew the Hebrew word or the Greek word, the Hebrew um, word gets translated that gets translated as repent is the word teshuva. The Greek word translated repent is metanoia, and and like the Hebrew word, the Greek word, they're both very dense, impactful. I think of a lot of wisdom. Um, and this week I've had like that word. I've had the Hebrew word teshuva on my mind almost every day, and it's. I assume that's appropriate for the season, but I cannot stop thinking about the deeper meaning of it and how shallow and as we as I told you, kind of damaging some of my views, like embedded like program views of repentance are, or the you know, the the ideas and images my brain gravitates towards. Um and so like I, I don't know, I was at work um, at Starbucks because I'm a barista because I'm as cliche as anyone could possibly be. And I, I haven't had a name tag the whole time I worked there. And my boss gave me a name tag and I took it and I wrote Teshuva on it and I put it on. And I, for whatever reason, it was just in my head at the time. So I wrote it on my name tag. And so I haven't been able to stop thinking about this word Teshuva. And, and then it's, you know, it's, it's partner in the scriptures, metanoia from the Greek and, and what they mean and, and what that means for me in Lent. And and what that means for me is I I continue following Jesus in this season and, and the things I need to give up and the, the weights I need to be I need to look and, and see the, the effects of my sin in the world around me and my family and my own life and, and the way I think and so this this word has just been stuck in my head. 
And so we're going to talk a little bit about some Greek and Hebrew. Uh, and so teshuva, in the most literal sense, means like to turn or, you know, it's just, it gets translated repent. Those are the things, you know, to turn away from one thing to the and turn to something else. And but teshuva, when it, it's re, we really break it down, it stands in contradiction to this whole like turn or burn street corner definition that often gets portrayed as repentance. See, to understand at least some of the implications of this word, we have to go to the beginning of the Bible. God created the heavens and the earth, the plants, the animals, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and man. And what does he say every time he looks upon his creation? It is good, or in Hebrew, it is tov. Tov is the first part of the word teshuva. It means good, beautiful, blessing. These, This is... This is, those are not words that are associated with repentance, right? Those are not words that are associated with our ideas of repentance. That, that guy on the street corner saying, if you don't repent, you're going to hell, doesn't have the idea of good and beautiful and blessing in his head when he's telling you that. And so, you know, like these words aren't connected with that. And it, for me, th- these kind of words are not connected to my understanding of ex- uh, or, or experience with the ideas and the practice of repentance. So teshuva starts off with like this affirmation of who we are on a fundamental level. It's saying you're good. It reminds us that God declared that we are good and that it follows up with this word shuv. So teshuva, right? Or this word means to turn or, or specifically to, to return. So good return, right? So teshuva is like this invitation to return to our fundamental goodness. Uh, so instead of starting off by reminding us that, you know, we're these worthless sinners who are destined for hellfire and nothing more, the word first focuses on our goodness. Now, this is not some like whitewashing, everything is okay, happy clappy, pixie farts and gumdrops kind of understanding of repentance. I want to make that clear. And as like I said earlier, there's that, that one side who thinks repentance is irrelevant. And you'll hear this and you'll hear this first part and you'll think, oh, man, that's great. Yeah, that's kind of repentance. Like, oh, tell me I'm good. Tell me. You know, all these things, but that's that's not what this word is. It's not what this word reveals to us. It says return to the good. So if we had to return to the good, it means that we're not currently good, that we're not currently on the right path, that we're we're lost. We're out in the woods somewhere, and we've missed a turn, right? So we have to return. So it doesn't start off by telling us we're worthless sinners, but it's not some happy, clappy, like, alternative to the uncomfortable work that is often repentance, so teshuva takes seriously our sin. It, it teaches us to look it in the face, to see the damage and the magnitude of our sin in our lives, to the sin that the systems we partake in produce in the world. Um, and look at those effects. And but so it affirms it affirms our goodness, but it reminds us how far we've wandered. So it says, yes, you're good. On a fundamental level, you're good, but you have gotten so far off track. You're doing things that are so contrary to this goodness, so contrary to the things that God has for you. So return to those things. Abandon the things that you are currently in or on or doing or surrounding yourself with. Abandon those things and return back to the good paths, to the good things, to the tov. And so to repent is to realize that we've messed up and it's the time to us to move back towards that fundamental goodness, um, to move back towards God, to get our minds right and abandon that path we've been on for better paths. Um, Saint uh, Nikolai, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his, the second part of his name because I will never get it, put it this way. He said, repentance is the abandoning of all false paths. 
that have been trodden by men's feet and men and men's thoughts and desires and a return to the new path, Christ's path. path. But how can a sinful man repent unless he, he in his heart meets the Lord and knows his own shame? So I'm going to try that one more time. But he says, Repentance is the abandoning of all false paths and that, that have been trodden by men's feet and men's thoughts and desires in a return to the new path, Christ's path. But how can a sinful man repent unless he, is in, in, he in his heart meets with the Lord and knows his own shame? And so St. Nikolai gets at it. He says, you know, repentance is this return to the right path, but it comes first by doing the uncomfortable work of acknowledging our sin and our failures. You know, repentance is not like a, oh my God, my, you know, oh my bad God kind of sorry, bro kind of deal. It's a very serious deal. It's a, it's a, it's a thing that gets and seeks to lead us back to the good paths of God, the paths of Christ. It's, it's the thing that, um, you know, these paths aren't, are seldomly easy. Following Jesus is not that easy. He says, my burden is easy and my yoke is light, but it does not always come easy. And so I think when he says, my burden is easy, my yoke is light, he might be getting to the fact that he's not going to, he's not going to beat us down, but that doesn't mean that the life that we're going to be traveling through as we follow him is easy, smooth terrain and repentance can be uncomfortable. But as St. Nikolai said, we have to face it. It's in that thing where we face that moment that we can be opened up to the new realities of God. And I think about the lectionary text from this week about the Samaritan woman at the well. And, and Jesus brings out her sin. He says, you know, you've been married this many times. A man you're with is not even married. You're not even married to him. And all these things. He brings out like these, I guess, social stigmas right in front of her. And he's not being a jerk. He's not being like, you know, trying to harp on her or whatever. But he's, he's making her confront these things so that she can be opened up to the eternal life that he's offering her. He's saying, you know, you've been trying to find fulfillment in all these things, but they'll never find it. You'll never find fulfillment in these things. So here, acknowledge that so you can partake of this eternal life, this spirit, this water that will just raise up from the depths of your being that I'm willing to give you, this this water that will make you never thirst again. Right, and so we have to face our sin. We have to face our sin, and that's on a personal level. But that's also on a systemic, societal level, because here in America we have systems that have been built upon bodies and bodies of marginalized people, whether they be brought here in slave ships or destroyed by colonizers or you know wrongfully arrested or bombed innocent lives whatever it is we have systemic sin that we have to deal with and as a church we have to repent of those things now more than ever we need a church that is willing to repent publicly and being and being the 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 church that is willing to make avenues and strides to see those things reconciled because repentance is a way of reconciliation. It's a way of for us to reconcile ourselves to God, not as if God has pushed us away, but because we've wandered away and it's a way of reconciling with our fellow man and our, and the earth because we have this capacity to do so much bad and, but we're also fundamentally good. And that's what this repentance is about. It's about realizing that we have this capacity to do awful things, bad things, destroy the environment, destroy lives, you know, 
all these different things or just even on a more personal level to lie, to hurt people's feelings, to make people feel forgotten and, and useless. So you, we have the capacity for all of this, but repentance to Shuva is saying that you're fundamentally good and we must return to those things. We must return back to the good things and do the good work of God in the world. And so the Greek word for repentance in, in the New Testament is the word metanoia. And it, it means like to change, it, like in a more literal sense, it means to change your mind. And, or to, you could translate it like to widen your perspective, to see things from a different perspective even. And so Jesus shows up and starts this whole repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And like we have people on street corners saying that, but they're not saying that they're not, they might be saying those words that Jesus said, but they're not, they're not conveying what he was trying to convey. Jesus says repent for the kingdom of God at hand. He's saying, change your mind. Things are nothing like you ever imagined. Abandon your way of thinking and take upon my way of thinking. Jesus is saying, give up your way of life so I can show you how to live, so I can show you how to truly be you and truly experience God. So repentance is like this invitation to see the world differently, to see ourselves differently, and to see God differently. It's the mode of self-examination that can make room for the Holy Spirit to reveal to us all the things that we are keeping, that are keeping us from making this journey. Right? Repentance is an invitation into partaking fully of the love and will of God for our lives. Repentance is where the Holy Spirit whispers to, whispers to us, cast off the old, abandon those dead empaths, those fruitless works, and come and let me show you a better way. Repentance is how the world has changed. So this Lent, my question to you, and it's something I've been wrestling with for these first few weeks of Lent, is, is what is it that you need to repent of? Where is it you need to return? What are the things that need to be abandoned so you can experience the fullness of the love of God in your life and in the world around you? What are the things that need to be reconciled? In closing, I, I want to share a, one last quote, and it's from St. Isaac of, of Nineveh again, because I, like I said, I have a particular love for um, his way with words, but he says, anyone who acknowledges his own sin is greater than the one who raises the dead by his prayer. Anyone who mourns over the state of his soul for an hour is greater than one who embraces the world in contemplation. Anyone to whom it has been given to see the truth about himself is greater than the one to whom it has been given to see angels. And that is a pretty stout idea, right? Anyone who acknowledges his own sin is greater than the one who raises the dead by his prayer. So St. Isaac is getting at this idea that if we would, we would repent, that we would, you know, we'd have this bigger mind that we can truly see who we are and the depths of who we are, that that is more important than even raising the dead. That seeing our true selves, seeing that true fundamental goodness about who we are, and seeing all the darkness that kind of tends to cloud those things up, being able to see and identify those things is greater than being able to see angels, being able to see in the heavenly realm, or whatever. And to me, this is, in some sense, kind of echoes Paul's language of, you know, like if I preach the gospel and I uh, have all these prophetic knowledge and all these things, but I do not have love, I have nothing. And so St. Isaac is kind of saying that if you cannot see who you are, that you are unwilling to recognize your own failures and your own humanity and your own brokenness, 
then what good is it if you can raise the dead? What good is it if you can enter into, you know, embrace the world in contemplation? What good is it if you can see angels if you cannot even recognize what's going on in your own chest? And so repentance is a way for us to see the things God sees. It's a way for us to brighten our, our perspective in our lives and see the things that need to be removed and see the things that need to be poured out and see the things that God needs to to shift around in our hearts and in our lives and, and be able to set us back to where we need to be. So repentance may be a loaded word. Repentance may be loaded with baggage or whatever, but at the end of the day, repentance is, I believe, is how the world has changed. And this season of Lent has been really hard for me because I'm going to tell you, there's some stuff that I've let build up inside of me, some cobwebs, if if you must, or, or whatever that I've hoarded in my heart that these last few weeks, I feel like the Holy Spirit is like trying to just pry out of my hands and is just saying, let it go. Let those things go. And, and so I think that's part of the invitation of Lent. Learn to let those things go so we can we can be free of those burdens and we can know what it means to follow Christ to Golgotha because repentance, in a sense, is a dying. It's a way for us to, to let these things that are worthless die so Christ can live in us, so we can be, you know, like animated by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can, we can truly taste of the love of God. This, this wind of God, this breath of God can flow in and out of us into the world around us and make this world a better place. And so that's it on repentance. I hope you got something out of it. Like I said, the, the Teshuva has just been like just echoing in my mind all week. And I say all week, today's Tuesday, but for the, you know, the last week or so. And I've just not been able to get away from it. And so I hope that um, through this, you'll be pushed to ask the question of what is it you need to repent of in this season? What are the things you're holding on to that are keeping you from experiencing the love of God? What are the things that are holding you're holding on to that are keeping you from being who God made you to be? Being your true self, from being free from the burdens of anger and hatred and unforgiveness or whatever else it is. And see reconciliation happen in your own heart. Thanks for listening. Um, again, this was Ryan with Lessons from Day Guys podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you want to share, I would be so thankful because I literally cannot tell you how helpful it is every time someone shares or retweets or whatever. If you want to support the show, you can do that through Patreon. I'm trying to revamp that whole thing with like perks and stuff so you can actually get some kind of benefit out of it. Um, and anything that I do come up with, which I've been working on pretty crazy, you know, like seriously about, is retroactive. So if you're already a supporter, those things, when I set those new perks in line for supporting levels, Levels, you'll get those things and access to the different resources that I've been working on. Um, if you want to subscribe to our newsletter, I, I really shouldn't call it a newsletter. It's called Signpost. It's like a monthly devotional for those wandering. Um, it comes out once a month. Um, next month, it's. I mean, we're almost here. The next, uh, I guess, issue of it will be coming out. So you can find show notes for a uh, link for that in the show notes. Um, And so other than that, I hope you have a great rest of the week. Grace and peace to you, friends. And may the Holy Spirit disrupt you in this season of Lent.